they brought in food donations, like eight pallets at a time, just random, random stuff, you know, six pallets of broccoli, you know, eight pallets of onions. And it's kind of like, here, figure it out. We're like, okay, well, you know, bring us anything and everything and we will figure it out. This is Fooditor Radio, is all dressed up and has no place to go. You own a restaurant, you react to coronavirus by either pivoting to takeout or not. But when you own some restaurants, some bars, and some pizza places, you have a whole set of options to explore. That was the case for Scott Weiner and Greg Moore, the owners of Chicago's The 5050 Group, who quickly became some of the first restaurateurs in Chicago to feed laid-off industry workers. In this episode, I talk with the two partners, whose empire of Chicago neighborhood spots includes Roots Pizza, restaurants like Steadfast in the Loop, and bars including The 5050, The Berkshire Room, The Sixth, and Utopian Tailgate. But first, Please subscribe to Food Editor Radio at the podcast app of your choice and leave us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Now, let's meet Scott Weiner and Greg Moore. I'm Scott Weiner. And I'm Greg Moore. All right. Well, thank you and welcome. Do either of you have kids? How is this going for you? Uh, we, we both have kids and uh, mine are um, almost five and almost 10 and it's, it is tough. It is it's tough uh, working and being a teacher and and doing all of the things. It's um, it in a weird way though. It's it's also kind of awesome. Um, you know, my wife and and my kids. We all get to spend a, an incredible amount of time together, which is you know pretty rare. Um, and and so it's cool. We're we're doing a lot of things that we normally wouldn't do, like having dance parties quite often and, and doing stuff like that. So it's. Um, there is some good stuff coming out of it too. So is one kid on uh, lots of CPS Zoom call type instruction? Correct, correct. It's it's funny because my uh, my my oldest got a report card, and uh, she got I think she got a B or or something. And my wife was 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 upset because she's like, "That's my B. I should I should be getting an A." Because she's teaching and she's feeling <laughs> like she's doing a better job than a B. So uh, yeah, it's very interesting. That's for sure. I've got a boy, he's almost three, and uh, my wife is pregnant with uh, a second boy. So uh, it's been, honestly, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've been spending a lot more time at home, um, especially at night. My, my son doesn't really understand why he can't do a lot of the things he does. Um, but, you know, we're making the most out of it. We're... Uh, he literally begs me to take the garbage out downstairs to the garage. And then we, we, uh, we play hide and seek in the garage and, uh, we, we pretend that we're uh, going and doing things. It, it, uh, it gets him out of the house a little bit or out of our apartment for a little bit, which gives my wife some solace. I think she's, she's going like absolutely insane just with literally no, you know, no help. And she's home with him and, and he's just not at the age where he understands what's going on. We're in fun. A man, a three-year-old. I mean, chasing a three-year-old. Uh, that's. Can you get outside with him at all? I mean, is there anywhere you can just like run around? The weather just hasn't cooperated. So we've every when it's nice out. Every morning, me and him will go for a walk. We'll walk to one of the dark matter places and uh, grab a coffee, 
um, and a muffin or something. And, you know, day like today, I know his mom's taking him for a walk and I'll take him for one later. But yeah, there's, like he's, we're in the neighborhood, yeah. you know. The other day, we, last week, when it was nice out, we, we walked to a coffee place and he didn't have a mask, so they wouldn't let us in. And then it was like, it was like 11 a.m. So then I was like, all right, kid, let's, let's go to, let's go to uh, Real Cool. And they weren't open yet. Or I'm sorry, Pretty Cool. They weren't open. I was like, all right, let's go to the freeze. And they weren't open yet. So it's just like, you know, but he, it's, we're, we're having fun some time. And uh, he's every day, he's at that point where he's like putting new sentences together and repeating stuff. So I've heard him say, he's dropped a couple F-bombs. <laughs> Oh, oh. He, he uh he loves saying uh Jesus Christ a lot and, and oh wow I know that this is like I came home two weeks ago and I come in and he's like Dada Mama's in the bathroom crying and I'm like oh man so I I, I know where he's getting this language from <laughs> you know and I'm I'm encouraging it too I think it's I think it's hilarious <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Oh my god! So you guys cooking at home? Do you do you do that or is Scott cooks every night anyway? I mean, like Scott Scott cooks a lot. So yeah, I don't think I don't think, it's, I don't think it's too much different than normal. Well, you know, we've been so busy lately with work where I feel like I do a lot of cooking in the in the winter when we're, I'm not out as much at night. You know, and then typically this time of year, like I'm I'm out probably two to four nights a week. But it's been cool. Like I've been, I've been like doing the kind of cooking that I, that I even like before I'd get home and I'd cook something and have to have dinner ready by the time he wakes up from a nap. So it's like I got to cook in thirty, forty-five minutes after work if I'm going to do it. And you know, I've had more time now to like make some fresh pasta or you know do some do some things that that are like you know fun and challenging at the same time. So it's fun tend to cook unhealthy foods too. So the more I cook, the more weight I gain. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm you, not you mean delicious food. You cook delicious food is what you cook. I cook, I cook delicious yes. food. Yes. <laughs> I got a heavy hand with the butter. What is open? Are any of your restaurants open as restaurants right now? Are you serving roots pizza or anything or the, all the roots locations are open. So all three of those, um, in West town, Lincoln square and old town, um, so that's great. Uh, and then, uh, that's all as of right now, but we're going to start ramping up some other ones. I think, um, West Tom bakery, um, we're, we're, we're trying to figure that out right now and see what we can do out of there and then, and then kind of go from there. But we do have, um, 50, 50 and West town bakery on Chicago Avenue, um, in operation for the charities that we're doing. So they're, they're up and running. They're just not for, um, takeout and delivery as of right now. So let's go back to when this first really hit. Um, when when did you know that you were going to have to shut down your restaurants? Uh, I think we I think we knew about you know two weeks before it happened that it was it was going to happen. But I think that we were of the mentality that um, we were of the mentality it wasn't going to be a long time. It might be two weeks that we're down, maybe a month. So, you know, when it happened, we, we knew Roots was going to be in a good position and we were, we were financially like, you know, limping out of, you know, the slowest time of year for us, but 
we were conservative and we were looking at it, it's like, well, we're being open here, but like we're seeing less and less people coming in after certain times. And you know, the, the way the dining habits, people are different. So we, we were considering potentially shutting down some of our meal services before the actual shutdown, you know, as well, just for, just for like a wait and see what's going to happen type thing. But we, uh, yeah, we looked at roots and like, all right, we can definitely do carry out, you know, delivery. We already have our own infrastructure, our own drivers, our own app, all that type of stuff. So we just said, all right, well, we'll focus on this and, and let's not try to, being that a lot of our restaurants are in, you know, quote unquote, more, more critical, you know, financial positions in terms of like, you just can't, all of a sudden your sales are down 50%. You just can't keep operating, you know, with a full restaurant. We're like, let's just shut them down completely and see what's going to happen out there. And, you know, we made the determination not to really try to do carry out at, all of our locations because, you know, it costs money to turn the lights on. And we just want to, we, we, we said day one, like we want to make sure we're able to reopen all of our places and have jobs for people when this all ends. So that was our game plan early on. And the charitable stuff happened right away. I would say Greg it was probably a week before we started mm-hmm. um, kind of working on raising capital to do it and, and looking at the options out there and seeing what we can afford to put in. So, you know, that's, that's been the, the approach we had. So I'm going to go back to, you said people were already sort of, it sounded like you were saying that business was dropping off even in, in anticipation of imminent closure, like the week before. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We are, it was, we saw it more dramatically in our hotel properties and in our, our loop places. Um, where, you know, like a place like Steadfast, uh, 90th Meridian, you know, gangbusters lunches. And that didn't go away at that state. But at happy hour, just less and less people were coming. And, and dinner in the loop at Steadfast, we, you know, looking at the sales you did last year versus, you know, at like March 10th time or whenever, we're like, we're, we're down 50, 60 covers. Like something's wrong. Yeah. We saw, we saw the fear and, you know, with that said in the neighborhoods, Roots Pizza, Westtown Bakery, even, even like the cocktail bars, the six, the Berkshire room, you would have never thought there was anything wrong, but the Berkshire room is, you know, in the Acme hotel and their occupancy was down, you know, 50, 60%, you know, that middle of March and uh, the convention, then we were, we were refunding we refunded hundreds of thousands of dollars in deposits for, for events. So we saw that happening and people were calling all throughout late February and March and canceling April and May, May thing. So that was our first sort of warning. Something's about to happen. Yeah. That's when it got really serious and it just started everything and not, not just the big conventions, but all the small parties too. And, and things like that. And we're like, Oh man, this is, this is going to wipe out the entire summer season and it did so and it went from there in terms of the doing the dinners for or doing making meals for people in the industry and then um with the uh the edward lee charity and all that um what was your 
was that just something from the beginning you took for granted that you would want to do that or did you have to look at the numbers really hard first How, what was the pro- thought process there i i don't know that we really looked at the numbers to be honest no, fact, it, i know it was i know we did it, it was it was more about as this started happening and the sales started dropping off and then the closure was coming, we were like, all right, how, how do we, we we've got to, we've got to employ people somehow. We've got to figure out ways to do that. And, and, uh, you know, a charitable arm of, of the company was formed and we're like, all right, let's, let's figure out how to do this. And, and so we just completely focused on that. Um, and then Scott, Scott, uh, started talking to some people about, um, raising money and then he, he found some, some big donors. So, uh, we were able to get up and running uh, right away. We got we got lucky in terms of finding somebody to back it. Yeah, we we were you know, we we got lucky because we we were early in it, and then because it was, we were one of the first in it, other people heard about us doing it, and then people were reaching out to us. Uh, and, you know, Greg Greg met with the Lee Initiative people, and you know, then the World Health Organization. All that stuff kind of came just because we were we were focused on it so early. You know, that was possible because of the, you know, we, we got a anonymous tech CEO to, to start the, the meal program at 5050. And that, that's really, um, you know, we, we had the intention of that one at first to do industry. Um, and day one, we, there were tons of people that came and, and some of them weren't, were not industry, but they needed food. And so after day one, we're like, all right, this, let's make this for every, anyone that needs it because it's, um, there was definitely a need right away. Um, and then, and then that kind of snowballed and, and got us to a place where, um, other charitable organizations were reaching out to us to either see how we were doing it or to, um, try to help us with funding or, or, um, get another one going. And that's when, uh, the lead initiative came to us and that was, that was a two day turnaround. They came to us and said, Hey, we need this by, um, you know, in two days, I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. So that's when we were, um, you know, fortunately, we were able to open West Town Bakery back up, and which was perfect because they brought in food donations, like eight pallets at a time, just random, random stuff. You know, six pallets of broccoli, you know, eight <laughs> pallets of onions, and it's kind of like, here, figure it out. We're like, okay, well, you know, bring us anything and everything, and we will figure it out. And we did, and it, it, it's, um, you know, we have a obviously a, a great um, staff of, of, of chefs and, and volunteers and people that just wanted to, to help and, and do it. So it's, it's been an insane amount of work and it's, it's work that we're not, not all of it we're used to. So it's, it's, it's been a lot to take on, um, but it has been so rewarding obviously for, for helping people, but also, you know, just having something to, to focus on and, and really dive into um, so it's, it's, it's helped us personally, you know, a ton just to, just to give us that. So it's, it's turned uh, turn a negative into a positive, I guess. Is the best yeah. Part of, yeah. For sure. Like, like you said, the purpose, cause I don't know, it's given us definitely a purpose. That's for sure. We're, we're not good at sitting and, and, and doing nothing. Um, so I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea what we would be doing if it, if it weren't for this, we'd be, we would definitely be going crazy. Um, so, you know, because of this, we've, we've been able to keep, uh, a lot of our leadership team or all of our leadership team, um, uh, intact and, and, you know, meeting, uh, several times a week virtually and, and, you know, talking about things. And so it's, 
we're just, we're able to keep going. And we have, we, you know, we had to furlough, you know, close to 600 people and we were able to bring back, um, what are we at? A hundred, Scott, a little over a hundred at this point. It's, it's a little over that. Yeah. So that's, that's rewarding. And, and, you know, to this day, we're, we're just figuring out how to get more people back, um, how to be uh, smart with, with what we have in the bank accounts right now. So we can open properly um, and get everyone back. So, you know, it's, it just kept us very, very focused and very sharp on everything that's going on. So um, tell me how it worked. I mean, the Lee initiative started out working with one off and then one off decided that they didn't, you know, I totally understood it when they talked about AVEC, that they just couldn't guarantee everyone's safety. There's, you know, people are cramming into small spaces. They're trying to do takeout where people are lined up at that bar. And so they got out of the business, you know, a few days later. So, mm-hmm. what ha- you know, what happened then? How'd they come to you? So because we were at doing doing the, the stuff at 50, um, they actually – they asked um, the lead initiative, uh, you know, they, they had to figure something out right away. So they started asking people and, and they're not, you know, in, based in Chicago. So right. uh, they, they essentially started asking uh, people around Chicago, you know, what they should do. And, and because we had the stuff going on at 50, 50, they, they um, everyone pointed them to us. We had to, as a, as a, as a company um, talk about the risk also. And, and, you know, it wasn't it was a situation where uh, we knew all of us. Uh, there's six of us on our leadership team, and, and we, you know, we we talk basically every day. And we decided, um, the six of us, that we it was worth the risk for us personally to to do this, and we wanted to do it. Um, and then, you know, we asked other people in the company uh, if they wanted to also, and, and understanding the risks and understanding what's involved. And so that's how it kind of grew. And, and then it got to the point where we had so many people that wanted to, to either work or volunteer um, that we had, to, we had to assign someone to just manage that side of it, um, the manpower, because so many people wanted to do it. And then so many people outside of the company wanted to do it. But we couldn't we didn't want to bring those people in because we're, we're trying to limit the, the amount of people coming in and out of the, out of the restaurant. So, you know, every company whether it be one off or whoever else, you, you know, you have to decide on your own and, and there's no right or wrong thing to do in this scenario because no one knows what to do in this scenario. Um, but for us, you know, we, we decided we, we, we wanted to do this and, and um, you know, I, I feel extremely fortunate that we, that we were able to, and that, that we did. We were, we were also pretty, so when we started 50 and we started, we had masks, and, or in PPP and or PPE, and, and we were we were we were already kind of looking at even before the shutdown on what are we going to need to do from a sanitation measure if there isn't a shutdown. Like what are the things that we should do? So we were we were already looking for you know thermometers, and I think within a week we we had implemented uh, temperature logs not just for coolers anymore, but for people. So, you know, before you clock in, you're getting your temperature taken and, and we're keeping a log. So we had a lot of stuff that just gave us, uh, gave us, and because it's just one, 
you know, we call Westtown Bakery and the compound with that in Roots and Homestead because it's all one big building or two buildings or three. So we were, you know, we were already centralized versus like having to go to like four different locations where, you know, in 50-50s just down the street. So we felt pretty comfortable that we can handle this. Um, you know, we kept doing it, kept growing at it. We think after this, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to continue going down this route and looking for yeah. ways to to be more involved. Um, especially now, I, I don't think I, I, I've been, and I've been getting a lot involved, like with the political stuff. So, but yeah, we think this is going to be something we kind of continue doing and focusing on. Yeah. You, you said, I think Scott said you, that you go, you still go to like three or four places a night checking on operations, I guess. Is that, that's still true? No, not, not right now. Oh, okay. Um, I've always felt that I love to work. I love to be around people, especially in the restaurants. But I've, in the last few years, been able to sort of tell myself, it doesn't make sense for me to just work to work. Like, if I have the opportunity to be with my family, do it, because there's plenty of times where I can't. So I'm not I'm, – I'm in the restaurant right now once a week at night. And I usually, usually it's one of the one of the charities or, you know, I've been kind of – hanging around the carryout area a little bit just to be there. But no, I'm, I, I'm looking at it right now is once we try to reopen all of these restaurants, I'll, I'll probably be working a lot. And we also, we we're planning to open our fourth routes in July. If, uh, the law allows us to. Right. <laughs> so I, I know, like, I know what's coming at me this, this summer and fall, and I'm not trying to just burn out to burn out. Well, that's an interesting question. Can you open a new pizza place? I mean, if pizza places can be open and they're set up for the circumstances now, you could just open a new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a strange scenario, and we talked about it today. It, it's like you know, do we wait to open a little bit so people are a little bit more comfortable going places, or or you know, do we just kind of see where you know? It's tough. This this place is. Uh, the new roots are in the South Loop. It's 10,000 square feet. It's two floors. It's a huge retractable roof. It's a it's a huge project. So you know, typically you're rushing, rushing, rushing to to open because you have to. And and we we still do. But at the same time, you can't. You also can't open and not make money um, right away. You know. So it's it's kind of a strange strange scenario. So I we're we're pretty confident by the time we are able to open that, that people will be um, much more comfortable with the, with what's happening. And, and I think people are going to come out pretty aggressively to restaurants, having a place that, that that's that big, you can space out a lot of people in that place and, and it'll be, you know, should be pretty good business. So we'll just wait and see. I mean, right now we're, we're, we're hoping to go through inspections in June and we are literally redesigning the dining room before we, uh, put all the booths and chairs in there and deciding where do we have, where do we have shields to separate tables? You know, we're, we're looking at it from that perspective. And, you know, we're also, we're also kind of working on a ghost kitchen right now, not a ghost kitchen, but a ghost concept. Um, Greg, you comfortable revealing the name for this? Or are we, <laughs> <laughs> we just said today in our meeting, we have to decide if that's the name or not. I mean, you can essentially what we're, what we're doing is, you know, Ghost concepts are in, or ghost kitchens are, are nothing new at this point. Um, 
but I think we feel it's going to be a, a, a huge push um, right now because if, if if restaurants can only open up even if it's fifty percent, which is on the on the high side from what we're hearing um, for occupancy, um, you, you have to you're going to have to drive revenue somehow. So we feel like we can use those kitchens um, to also cook some other delivery and, and carry out only um, concepts. And but we want to have fun with it. So we're, we we either want to make fun of um, some of our current concepts or make fun of ourselves or and one of the one of the ideas and this is this is all Scott. Uh, is we have Roots Handmade Pizza. Do Roots, R-U-T-H, Roots Handmade Pizza, and do <laughs> um, Chicago-style deep dish and, and things like that. Things that that we normally, you know, we have a pizza place already. We wouldn't go and open one like this. But um, Scott has been cooking pizzas nonstop, and uh, I think he's got it. You and uh, Martine got it pretty good, right? Uh, Martine just. Martin just Martin. nailed it. We just, okay. uh, the team and I just tasted it downstairs. That's actually why I missed your call. I was, I was <laughs> in a brief moment of heaven. <laughs> I was, I, but, but it's, it, so it's more towards like the, like the Labriola style of deep dish versus like a, a lose or some of the other places. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the idea, we've got these giant kitchens at uh, Route second city where Utopian tailgate is. And then the South loop and, if we can't seat 300 or in the case of second city total occupancy there is close to 600 people when the rooftop and roots are going. So if we can't do that, I mean, the occupancy, our rent and our mortgage are based off of big places and we've got to figure out ways to grow the revenue. So we're looking at all kinds of options right now. And the, the biggest challenge for us is we built the South loop property from the ground up and you know, we've got a, a six and a quarter million dollar mortgage that uh, we're, we're, you know, we're paying interest on. So if we are unable to open this thing and, or we open it and nobody can afford to go out to eat anymore because we're in a, a depression, then it's going to have a, a pretty negative effect on, uh, you know, Greg and I as personal guarantors. So that, that one's, that one's going to hurt. That one's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I also the bank's, the banks don't want us to fail. And, and I will say that uh, our banks, you know, Wintrust and Gold Coast Bank, uh, the places we have mortgages with have been, I mean, they've been great. Um, Amazing, yeah. And they also know that if they were or we were to fail and they had to take over our, our real estate or our properties, they, they don't know that it would be worth anything right now. So they definitely want to keep us going because there probably isn't going to be a, a tenant who's going to come in here after us. Uh, for quite some time. For those restaurants that have landlords, um, especially some of the landlords, the like smaller guys, like there, there are some, there's some bad things that are going to happen. And, you know, there's, it's sad. I look at like, you know, Randolph street or whatever. And it's like, is this going to squeeze all the restaurants out? And it's just going to be anthropology along here, you know, from now on. It's going to be it's going to be called Amazon Pology. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> that area, that area has potentially hit, hit really, really hard just because of the, you know, the rent over there is just incredible. And, and so it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Right. And it really seems like the landlords there are sort of hell bent on 
you know, collecting the best rents they can at the price of eliminating everything that's interesting about it, which makes you wonder, you know, in five years, is Randolph Street going to be the place that everybody sneers at because it's not interesting? And, oh, yeah, you got to go to, you know, the good places are all in wherever, so. Right. It's like it's like a neighborhood that, that got too hot almost. It's it, And so, yeah, I mean, we... Scott and I looked over there for a very long time and just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. We told the landlord, um, actually a, a develop, a real, uh, you know, a real estate trust that was trying to build a tremendously huge project and had other stuff. When we got down to it, even before this all happened, the numbers barely worked. You know, right. Like Gaijin opens and they're busy. You can't even get in at 4 PM. Um, that, that's great. But this group from New York that comes in, who's got, who's paying 80 a square foot, like, you know, and, and percentage rent. So, you know, the, this, this, uh, this group was telling us that, yeah, they're at 20% occupancy. Well, that's just, that's not going to work at a certain point. All these REITs that are out there, they're being funded from, you know, international sources. People are just throwing money in these things and, and that's drying up too. So, you just sort of look at this, this kind of, it's not, we've talked about a restaurant bubble, but there's sort of like this everything bubble that places like that, just it's shaky ground for sure. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think, I think you're exactly right. I, as I've written about restaurants for the last 10 years, I feel more and more I'm writing about real estate really. And re- the restaurants are just kind of the, you know, the facade to real estate stories. They, they are, that's and that's true. It's if you look at like the hotel boom, well, that that I mean that led to us expanding in a lot of ways, and the restaurants, restaurants, you you got to have a restaurant, you got to have a coffee shop, you got to have a rooftop, and you know everybody did the model, and you know it was all funded by these big real estate things. So, and then you look on the other side where there's really no such thing as a good retail anchor tenant anymore. So. Now let's get a restaurant in there. That's one of the things that seems so self-defeating about Randolph is they're going to end up somewhat unintentionally pivoting toward retail because these chains will pay the money, but the chains don't last or, you know, they may not have a future at all. Who knows? JCPenney went bankrupt. J. Crew just filed bankruptcy. I mean, even United Airlines, and they're one of the biggest, you know, leasehold people that, you know, in Chicago, their bond fell through, their bond bailout fell through because it turns out airplanes aren't good collateral anymore. So there's just, there's, there's this big, big bubble that, that really is scary. And, you know, on Randolph street, there's only so many places that need to serve a $24 Hamachi collar. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, um, I, we, we, we will say that we, you know, we have restaurants and, and we started our, our group as we wanted to be kind of a, in the outside neighborhoods a little bit more, you know, West town up North or, or, you know, places like that. And, and right now we're feeling really good about those places because people are, 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 you know, frequent frequenting those a lot. Um, and I think those ones, those, those neighborhood restaurants will be a little bit better. Um, whereas everything was getting sucked down to West Loop and, and places like that, where now I, I don't know that that's going to be the case anymore. So um, it's nice to be diversified like we are in a, in a time like this. Well, and I feel that 
the city has gotten so focused really on two neighborhoods in particular, you know, Randolph Street and Logan Square. And I don't feel like it was like that before. I mean, sure, people wanted to be downtown or they wanted to be in Lincoln Park, but still I felt like there were restaurants sort of scattered around the city more back then and now you just have to be in those areas i mean i live in roscoe village and if a restaurant opens here you know it's because they failed to make the numbers work in logan square so they had to settle and i just don't find that healthy it's you know at some point restaurants should just be all over and neighborhoods should all have some places yeah, yeah you know there, there, there are a lot of places that, that like to be an outlier restaurant right you know um was was almost a death sentence because you know, people wanted to go and, and hop around to, to different places. They got that bug from West Loop and, and places like that. So it was, it was, uh, it was difficult, but I, 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 you know, maybe the trend is going to go back, um, you know, after all this. To, to me, like to your point, the, the retail, like the saddest thing for Greg and I, I think was watching division street where 50, 50 is just sort of all that amazing retail that drove us to that street. It's all withered up and died. Yeah. And, yeah. and even like the, there used to be the office for the law, for the lawyer and there was the PR agency. And, and then they all went to WeWorks and, you know, the, the fabric of our neighborhoods just has been withered away. Um, I mean, the industriouses, all these things, and that's kind of helped Fulton and it's helped certain places, um, you know, around Kinsey street and, I don't know that WeWork is coming back and, and, and it will be interesting to think like, where are these, is everybody just going to work from home now? And that could be the case. That's probably going to be more important than it's ever been. But I, I gotta, I just like, I'm praying and hoping that some of these, some of these local people come back to the neighborhoods and, and open up the stores or open up their offices there. And I unfortunately don't see a future for retail as much because Amazon just seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, unfortunately that's, we, we have a, we have a retail tenant um, in one of our, our buildings next to Westtown bakery, a clothing store, and they don't even need to have a, a space realistically. All their business is online. It'll be interesting. It, it's going to be an interesting, uh, I was, before I went down some rabbit hole, <laughs> um, I, I was saying before I, I'm, like I feel like every month that restaurants and just industries close down, just just add six months of recovery time. And you know, I think one of my biggest fears right now is just there isn't going to be a there's going to be a depression or an economy where people aren't going to be able to afford to go to retail or buy stuff or go to fancy restaurants for a while. You know, and that's that's the scary thing for me. I, I know people always want to be around people, and some you know your 21 year old son's going to is going to have to go to a bar at some point to try to meet somebody or, you know, right. go have fun. <laughs> that's not, that's not ending anytime soon. And, and I mean, how scary would it be to be coming out of college right now or going into college right now? Yeah. Not knowing if you can actually go to your university or like you just you got all these student loans and are you going to be able to uh, get a job? Like that's the stuff that really scares me more than, you know, you know, it kind of goes back to this everything bubble you know, which the restaurants are just one part of it. Yeah, no, my well, my son did, uh, uh, he worked as a busser at Somerset a couple of summers ago. And, you know, we were just thinking he'd do that again this year. And um, 
Well, let's talk about uh, reopening a little bit, uh, the highly theoretical process of doing that. What does that look like? Well, you're both shaking your heads going, we have no idea. (laughs) I, I've, I think that as I, I think the restaurant industry at some point, like I think people want to be around people that's not going anywhere. So I, I know everybody is excited right now. Home deliveries, you know, man, like Kakonis is a genius. Like Alinea is selling out. Like, I don't know if he'll ever remove that part of his business after this, but right. like, I think ultimately the, like there, there's going to be some elements of that. That's part of business, part of the restaurant business for a while, but I, I don't know that it's going to like take over the industry. Like I've been hearing some people saying, and I, I think that the one thing you cannot recreate at home. And I mean, we, Greg and I just looked at a, looked at a, a budget of $200,000 on lighting for a 3000 square foot <laughs> bar. And there's, there's nothing that's going to re- recreate that at home. And there's nothing that's going to recreate that, that lighting, that mood, the experience, the people, that ambiance, you know, you can't do it in a milk with a meal kit or a drinking kit. Right. So I think ultimately the stuff that attracted me and Greg to this business, it's, it's going to, it's still going to be here, but I think this next year is going to be interesting. And for us reopening sanitation is always been a factor. We, you know, we, we've got, our bakery has to get audits from, from, you know, different types of inspections because of the wholesale, some of our, you know, our accounts, but all of our places have always had third party audits um, twice every quarter. So I think now it's just, that's going to change where we're going to potentially have to start adding our temperature um, logs for our employees into that. And, you know, I think we're going to all be looking at, uh, we're all going to be looking at, you know, how our dining rooms get laid out and so people can feel comfortable being, you know, right next to each other. Um, you know, I, I don't know really, I, delivery will continue to be a big thing, but I, I don't know necessarily more than that right now. I think a lot of our reopening depends on when we're allowed to open and, and are we opening in the summer? Are we opening with places where people can be outdoors or are we realistically not looking to open till the fall? Yeah. And that's going to guide a lot of, it's going to guide a lot of our decisions. Yeah. No, a big part of it for me is just being in another atmosphere. I want to, you know, want to get out of my house and enter a different world. It is kind of the, you know, it's the theatrical kind of showbiz aspect of it. And I'll give you an example. I went to, a Roots event not too long ago, and then afterwards we went up to Utopian Tailgate, and I actually sent my son just a short little video on my phone of me standing there with the lights swirling around me and all that. And like you say, you can't you can't do that at home. The whole, it's the whole point is to go to this sort of living movie set and you know be in the movie. You know, I think I think coming out of this, people people more than ever, you know, obviously people miss people, people, people want to be around. And I, I think, um, you know, we've been on such a, um, a trajectory with, with our economy for so long and we are so spoiled with so many things. And, and, you know, this is a big check 
um, to kind of show us what we had. So I think coming out of it, people are going to be very, very ready to get out and, and, and do things. And, they, and, you know, everyone wants to be safe. Um, but I've been watching other places that other states and cities that have, have opened up to different degrees. And, and, you know, for the most part, people are coming out pretty, pretty strong. Um, you know, whether that, whether that's good or bad at this point, um, is unknown, but, um, I think by the time, because we're going to be so long delayed in this process, you want the last to open, I think people are going to be, uh, more than, than ready to come out in force, um, and appreciate what, what they once had and what we all once had. So I, you know, I'm very optimistic about it. Um, it's just up to us to be as safe as possible. And, and, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to, to find new and better ways to do things in that realm. Um, and, and we have some time to, to, to work it out. So, um, you know, and that's, that's all we can all really do is just be as, as safe as possible and, and, create that that movie set like you said for everyone and, and come have a good time we're we're one of the most heavily regulated industries as it is and uh we're also other than the other than the department of defense we're the second largest employer in the united states restaurant industry so i think on the safety side we'll, we'll figure it out i you know not to like get political also but i, I do wish that you know our governor would, would give us a better shot to to allow us a way to sort of open up maybe before the end of July or, or after and, and uh, you know, trust that we can create a safe atmosphere for our guests. Like, you know, restaurants have been doing for many years. I was reading something that was suggesting that, you know, the way <clears throat> media is right now, there's just no downside for someone like governor Pritzker to be the biggest hard ass about, you know, we are not going to, open until every bacteria has been removed, you know, that sort of thing. And it's, right. it's going to be hard to, it's hard to make the argument because that, well, we need to open up a little and then a little more and see how it goes. Cause someone will just come back and say, Oh, so you want people to die. And right. you know, not an right. argument right. <laughs> made for rational argument on online. Right. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as you start neglect, like make, try to make the argument, well, people are going to die. Like you've lost every leg to stand on, you know, if you can't do it in a safe way, then, then there's that to be said. Um, I I guess my, my, my frustration is I think it can be done safely. And I, I feel like, you know, the peak the scientists said the peak would be in April, then in May, now it's June. And, you know, the range of deaths is 50 to 300 a day. I, I just don't know that, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of lack of clarity. And I, I thought early on the mentality was we need to be able to treat this and treat this and, you know, just keep the curve flat. I, you know, I feel like the governor's trying to say now we just need to eradicate it before anything's going to happen. And I feel like he's, you know, looking down the road also, you know, five years. And I guess maybe if he wasn't like always com- combative against, you know, the president, then, you know, I just don't know if it's becoming a political thing anymore as much as a safety thing. That's, I think a little bit of clarity, a little bit of just, you know, real direction would go a long way to helping the restaurants out there. And I know a lot of people are on unemployment right now and getting the bonus unemployment. A couple of days ago, 
I walked by, I was walking into one of the restaurants and I saw one of our guys sleeping in his car. And I was like, Hey man, what's going on? Everything okay? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, waiting for work. I'm like, why are, why are you here? Why aren't you home? He's like, Oh, well, you know, and this is a Hispanic guy. And he's like, well, two of my roommates have COVID, yeah. you know, and I need to work. I can't afford, I can't afford to get it and I can't afford to go home. And, and I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. You don't know if it's like, you, you, there's just nothing you can do or say right now. And there's that kind of stuff isn't getting talked about. Like, I think that at some point the unemployment runs dry and then it's another, it's going to be a humanitarian issue versus right now, just a, a health issue because, you know, that's what happens when there's an economic disaster. It, it winds up turning into a humanitarian one soon after. Are most of the people that you talk to, are they, they want to go back into the restaurant business or are a lot of people sitting at home contemplating, you know, cosmetology or becoming a veterinarian or something? <laughs> I mean, I mean, for most of us, we don't know how to do anything else. So we're kind of, uh, uh, we're in it and, and that, that goes for a lot of our employees too. They're, they're, you know, they're just waiting They're This is what they do. Um, it, it's what a lot of them will always do. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, would we like to be in a, uh, you know, a, a different industry that made a better profit margin? Probably, but, um, <laughs> we love what we do and this is, this is what we do. And, and so it's kind of like, you just got to figure it out and, and, um, kind of go from there. I think people are going to just be happy to have jobs. Yeah. I know I'm, I know I'm happy that I have a place that can still pay something. I, I've, I'm sure that we will lose some people to Amazon and to Walmart. I, I don't know what else there is to do. Thanks for listening to Fooditor Radio is all dressed up and has no place to go. And thanks to my guests, Scott Weiner and Greg Moore. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Please subscribe to Fooditor Radio at the podcast app of your choice and consider leaving a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts to help other people discover it too. Thanks. Thanks.